If you're looking for hats for your business, hunting club, or just whatever, go check out Chickasahay Hat Company. It's locally owned by good folks, so you don't have the hassle of dealing with big box companies. They carry multiple different brands and sizes, including the number one selling hat, the Richardson 112. Custom embroidery is available on all hats and shirts, and to top it off, 10% of all profits go to charities for people that struggle with addiction. Like I said, good people. You can check them out on Facebook at Chickasahay Hat Company or on the web at chickasahayhatco.com. All right, we're back for another episode. This is uh, episode eight, and uh, we've got a we've got a good show tonight. We've got some interesting topics to talk about, and plus, on the second half of the show, we're going to have uh, Neil Cannon come on the show. Neil um, Neil's a really really good archery hunter. Uh, he's from he's from here in Mississippi, but uh, travels to the Midwest to hunt. So we'll have him on the second half. Um, don't have an idiot of the week this week. Um, we uh, do. We just hadn't found him yet. I'm sure somebody well, did something really dumb. I haven't. Yeah, that's true. I haven't. I just hadn't found anything. Uh, oh, hey, give <clears throat> me the idiot of the week. All right. Sunday morning, I'm taking my brother-in-law and my niece out for their first ever. Well, her first ever duck hunt. I got everything loaded in the Ranger. We take off. We get to the catfish pond. We unload the decoys. And as we're walking out to the blind, I notice I don't have anything around my neck. Like Ooh. duck calls. So you're volunteering to be the guy? I'm the guy this week. Now, I will admit, before it was shooting time, I was back in the blind with my duck calls. And I topped out the speed on my Ranger, too. It, uh, I think it was like 47 miles an hour. I was <laughs> on the road trying to get my duck calls. But it was like a big road. It's not just like a four-wheeler trail I was on. Yeah, was, I always have my speaker with me. Never forget it. <laughs> have my speaker with me. That's good. You know, you you talk about maxing out your your side by side. Wasn't it uh, Dane that did that a few years ago and hit a deer? That is true. He did, and I give him a hard time about it. Uh, but I was I was humming pretty good down the road. Yeah, it's a good thing he didn't hit a deer. It is a good thing. Uh, first thing I wanted to bring up was. Um, this is something I didn't even know about until a couple of weeks ago. I'd never heard of this before. Um, but apparently, you know, we've talked about CWD. I think we've talked a little bit about like blue tongue disease in deer. There's another dis- uh, disease that I find incredibly interesting. Um, and they call it, you know, the slang name for it would be bullwinkle disease. Um, and I don't even know how to say this. Uh, scientific name Manhama, Manhamia granulomatis maybe seems close enough um, it's a it's a bacterial disease that causes inflammation and they get like this moose like swelling of their face had you guys ever heard about this before? they almost look like a cartoon character yeah, I mean that's what it looks. My like. My drawing of a white tail at age five. <laughs> it looks like bullwinkle. I'm looking yeah. at a picture right here on my laptop, and I mean, you I can have, Google bull, bullwinkle disease. I've seen pictures of it before, but I've never. I mean, I've always thought that it was. I mean, that's. I mean, I guess that is what it is. But I always thought like snake bit, cut infection, something like that, swelling. But I never knew that it was. And that's kind of what it looks like. It kind of looks like uh, like it stuck its face down and got popped by a cottonmouth or something and just yeah. swelled up at the, at the end. Kind of like a dog that's been bit on the face by a snake. It's like elephantitis in yes. humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Except only on the face. So um, anyway, a guy from uh, University of California, Davis, was a lead investigator on a study that identified it as a bacterial disease. Um and it's obviously, from, from what I read, unlike blue tongue and CWD, they don't transfer it from, like, deer to deer. 
um, which is kind of weird. Yeah, but, but like strange. you could have a uh, you could have a deer pop up in Mississippi with it, and no other deer in that herd will get it. But then you know, three months later, there might be one in Wisconsin with it. There's really no reason to shoot it either because they recommend that you do not eat it. That's true. Um, I did unless he's a you know twenty inch wide twelve point then yeah, <laughs> but well, but then you still don't eat it. I mean you shoot it and yeah. mount it. But yeah, I read that they're having trouble with researching it uh, simply because they get bad samples. People will freeze it or something like that. Like I saw where you're not supposed to freeze it if you kill one. Right. They want right. samples, but like refrigerated or put on ice. Uh, but it's it's an interesting deal how they're looking into it. They just have very little information on it so far. Which I, I would be, and I kind of get where, like, I'd be really leery if I shot a deer that had this. I'd be really leery of, like, putting it in my ice chest and ever using that ice chest again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I wouldn't be, you know, if you cleaned your ice chest out well. <clears throat> yeah, I'm just, I'm weird like that, though. There's um, some bleach in there. I'd try a piece. <laughs> you, you would eat it? I'd have to try a piece just to see. Oh, my gosh. Um, one of the things I, I read was uh, the, the main researcher and uh, some of the people that helped him. They examined 27 dead deer that had this disease, and it came from 14 different states. Um, they were bucks and does, six months of age, five and a half years old. And all but two of those were actually collected by hunters. Um, but like Matt said, uh, the species were contaminated, so it was hard to identify. Um, but I, I just thought that was something neat to to come out and talk about. And it's not automatically fatal for the deer. I don't know. Did we already say that? But um, the deer can get over it, but it is... Uh, recommended that you do not eat the meat from a deer killed that has this disease. Yeah. So if you're in Alabama and you see one, uh, don't eat it. Yeah. She said Louisiana. People in Louisiana eat everything. Well, they'll live too. They'll be fine. They'll taste delicious. Yeah, if you're from <laughs> Louisiana or Smith County, you're probably good. You probably so. already have the trait. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Respectfully. The uh, next thing, and this is going to be, um, this is going to be, uh, this is an, uh, this is an interesting take here too. Next thing I wanted to bring up tonight was I recently read an article uh, about turkey hunting that kind of encourages you to kill more pigs to help your turkey population. Now mm -hmm. we all know, like raccoons fox coyotes bobcats those are all things that are that are destructive to the turkey population yeah i never thought about it like hogs being a problem and it makes sense because it we've does. seen we've seen our turkey population in mississippi decline over the last few years mm -hmm. while at the same time watching our feral hog problem really increase well if you if you're managing a piece of property for turkeys, obviously, my recommendation would be to kill every single thing that's not a squirrel, flying bird, or you know, like a deer. Everything right. else needs to die. Coons, everything traps out twenty four seven. You you know that's an interesting thing too because there's actually a a trapping season. Yeah, in Mississippi, and and I am completely. And when we had a uh, a while back, when we had Preston Pittman in season one, and and our grand said, I don't think he mind me saying it. Preston is an advocate of on private land being able to track year round, a trap year round, right? For that reason, you know, with the turkey, the turkey decline. Um, but you know, right now, as far as being legal about it you know there's only certain times of the year that you can actually put out your traps and i don't know what those are but i will tell you um that i mean just even last year and i mean i, I was trapping coons 
And I have no idea when the season is, but I was trapping coons for for the turkeys that we had on our property. I, I just don't get it. I don't even understand why it's a conversation we have. I mean, you can go to any dumpster behind any store in an area and there's raccoons back there. Like, why are we having to make seasons for this? Right. Um, there's no shortage of raccoons. so abundant. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who hasn't hit a possum in the last five years with their vehicle driving down the road? <laughs> right. I mean, it's outrageous. And I would I would say that raccoons outnumber possums five to one. So yeah, I, yeah. I just looked up the uh, trapping seasons in Mississippi. Um, it runs from November the first to March fifteenth. Okay, I was legal. <laughs> Wait a minute. Well, what kind of act? Well. Let's find out if you really were legal. Okay, let's find out. What type of trap did you use? Hand trap. Okay, did your traps have uh, tags on it? Not the tags on them. <laughs> Why would I put a tag on the trap? Nobody well, should be the, in there looking at my trap. That's on the private if, property. If you put out traps, even on private property, um, they're supposed to have tags on it. Like you, like you know, the little metal tags, like almost like a dog tag. Who do these um, people think they are? <laughs> Look, I don't make the rules, man. But it's like yeah. I'm the I'm the steward of of <clears throat> of the private property that is either in my name or in my family's name. Like you don't tell me how many raccoons I can and can't have on there. You don't yeah. tell me. Anyways, we're not gonna go down this here. Big, big deep rabbit hole. We're gonna start talking about making bombs. Well, look, I'll just <laughs> tell you this. I don't know if it's still a law, but at one point, Mississippi had a law where if you wanted to put out a trail camera, you have to have a permit. This is recent. How yeah, long ago? Like five, within the last five years. That's, that's the that's, most broken rule law ever to exist. Oh, yeah. Now that's uh that's not in effect any longer. Okay, they got rid of that. Yeah, that's out. Um, I think the most broken law is that you got to have written permission to have land to hunt somebody's land because I'm going to tell you if my neighbor says Matt, go kill this buck on my land, and he takes off in his truck going to work, well, I'm not waiting for him to Xerox me a copy in. That's right. I can walk over there and hunt that. He verbally yeah. told me <laughs> there was uh there was one time and like. Whenever I was growing up, we never, uh, we never had turkeys on our place in New Hebron. We we do now for whatever reason, like kill a gobbler there every year, sometimes too. But uh, there were, we all of my turkey hunting as a kid was like knock on door permission, uh, people to add new whatever. There was one place that we had to carry a consent form whenever we went onto the property that had like the dates that we were allowed to hunt turkeys. It was the craziest thing. Like, this is in like Lawrence County. And I just, yeah. I vividly remember having to fold that piece of paper up and put it in my pocket or whatever every time we went on there. Well, since you're talking, you mentioned trail cameras a minute ago. Uh, I read another article the other day about, uh, I can't remember how big a buck it was. It was a big buck killed in Mississippi. I want to say it was this year. It may have been last year. And this is this is my whole argument that I've had the whole time against the cellular cameras. This guy had gotten pictures of the buck. He saw the buck. This was during archery season. Saw the buck. Couldn't get a shot. Saw it again. Couldn't get a shot. He's sitting on his couch. Gets in a, a picture comes in from his phone. He, this guy's not hunting. I mean, he's he's watching football on his couch or whatever. Gets a picture that comes in. The buck's at his spot. It goes there. Sees the buck. Had had a chance to. I think he may or may or may not had a had a shot opportunity. Didn't kill the deer. Anyway, he goes back uh, a few days later. He ends up killing the deer. But what he did was sitting on the couch and then getting a picture of the deer and then running out there trying to kill the deer is mm -hmm. my whole argument against the cellular cameras. I understand that. Uh, I would say this, though. It's hard to be against technology if you rifle hunt. Correct. 
you could shoot a deer with the scopes that we have now at a freaking three quarters of a mile. <laughs> Not that I have the ability to do that, but some people do. Right. And I just, I, I agree with you. That's a terrible, he's using that camera in a manner not which it was intended to be used. That's right. Uh, uh, so I agree with you on it. But at the same time, it's just hard for me when, you know, somebody's got crazy optics on their scope and, you know, they can shoot so far with their rifle, they're dialed in at a thousand yards to say that the guy who got a cell phone camera picture, you know, was not being fair to the animal. <clears throat> and I'm like, well, are you being fair when you could scream at the top of your lungs and the deer probably couldn't even hear you? No, I, I don't disagree <laughs> with that at all. And I think it also goes back to an ethicalness of the shot. I don't yes. think I don't think that it's very ethical to shoot a deer at that distance either. Even if you have the capability of doing it, like it's I, extremely say, unethical to shoot one at seventy two yards with an archery. <laughs> Not if you're really, really good. No, but I'm right, just messing with you. No, no, it's it's okay to mess with him here because I, I have the same opinion. All right. Shooting a deer at 500, 600 yards is not very ethical because so much can go wrong in that distance that you end up wounding the animal. Now, Hunter killed a deer at 72 yards with his bow, and I'm going to pick on Hunter for a second. While, I mean, it's awesome. It went well. I mean, everything happened the way it needed to happen to kill the deer. But at the same time, all right, well, two things. One, Hunter shoots at long, long distances all the time. So he's he far more qualified to do that than probably 98% of the other archery hunters in Mississippi. Uh, but doing that, I don't want to encourage hunters, even though Hunter did it, and like I said, everything worked out fine, and, and I'm happy that it did for him. I think it's something that doesn't need to be encouraged because I can't shoot a deer at 72 yards. I just, I know I can't. I'm not capable of it, but I'm also, I'm probably more aware of my shortcomings than the average hunter would be as well. So, you know, if you don't practice at really, really long distances all the time, you don't need to take a long distance shot. That's true. Um, and like, just bouncing off that too, like, <clears throat> I didn't take the shot. Say, like, when I drew my bow back, I knew that, like, I knew what was about to happen. Like I'm, I was like I said, I was super calm. I knew what was, I knew what was happening. My stuff's dialed. I know what I'm doing. I do it all the time. Do it at the house. Thousands and thousands of arrows every summer, just in the yard on the grind. Because I don't want. Because it's the worst feeling in the world when a deer runs off of your arrow and you never find it. It's it's horrible. It's happened to most. I would say 99.99 percent of all bow hunters it's happened so like yeah you, especially in archery don't take those shots because sometimes you hit the deer good and they still right <laughs> you still don't find them well you That's you true. got you got good penetration all right and, and you talk about you knew what was going to happen right well you can say you know what's going to happen but Okay, what I mean by that is I, I know like the situation that I'm in when I'm when I when I'm drawn back seventy two yards and I can't even hold the pin on the deer. Yeah. Okay. Then that's a that freaks everybody out and they're gonna just try and swing it by and pull the trigger or and punch it mm -hmm. and then you shout it in the guts and it's gone. Well, I know I know what's going on and I know I'm aiming low. I know this deer's gonna drop. It's too far for her not to jump the street. Right. So, like, all that stuff is in play, and I'm prepared for all of that. Right. But, like, you just hand Joe Blow a five-pin, and there's one at 72 yards, and he's like, well, I'll put it a foot above her back, see what happens. That's bad. Right. Right. Well, and like I said, like, I don't want to take anything away from your shot. That's, that's a heck of a shot at 72 yards. I just don't want to encourage people to do it because of the 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 variables that that are, that are there yeah but back to your original point about the cell phone camera and sorry i kind of threw you under the bus there hunter i was just messing around it's fun i was gonna bring it up anyway <laughs> cell phone camera uh because i use them i'm not gonna lie i do use them um 
But you don't abuse it. No, I don't, but I don't. Well, he can't abuse it. I can't. (laughs) It's three and a half hours. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on. Uh, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know if if they ever regulate those companies to where if your phone, whoever has the app, if he's within uh, two miles, you can't send the picture. See, but that's going to be silly. Yeah, that's silly to me. Okay, is my... Is my rangefinder that uh, accommodates for you know essentially the for for angle drop of the Pythagorean theorem? Is that is that too much? I don't think no. so. I think it's an excellent tool so that I can ethically harvest game. Um, hey, listen to this. Listen to this, Hunter. We don't talk about golf on here, but the golfing world has deemed what you're talking about is illegal. You can't use a rangefinder that we use slope in uh, yeah. sanctioned tournaments. They have. Yeah, you could use a straight line range finder. So in other words, it does not calculate any kind of slope. Yeah. Huh. I don't know. Line of line of sight range finders. Yeah, that's, what I, that's the words I'm looking for. Um, you know, Boone and Crockett, if I'm not mistaken, and I'm going to Google this to make sure, they uh, I think put out that you can't enter a deer starting, I believe, this year that was harvested with the aid of a cell camera. I'm not sure what defines that, but I, I do find that one kind of laughable because Boone and Crockett, you can shoot it with, you know, a rifle. It doesn't really matter how far. Yeah. Well, let me get back to what we were supposed to be talking about right here. <laughs> we kind of get off a little bit. That's we, we, it's okay, that. though. That's my fault. Um, feral hogs and turkeys. Uh, one of the things to take into consideration, and, and it's not well, – well, we'll take a couple of things into consideration here. Over 60% of a feral hog's diet is the same thing that deer and turkeys feed on. It's mast, mast crops. Mm-hmm. So obviously pigs eat at a, you know, feral hogs eat at a much higher rate than deer and turkeys. So uh, Matt, you've seen it at your place up at Float where you've got an acorn trees dropping. Um, I mean, there's, there's pigs that are there. Um, uh, even, uh, oh, what's the sweet persimmons? Pigs are eating yes. that. Yeah, they kill that. <clears throat> so those are things that deer and turkey are eating. Also, um, a study at Texas A&M, uh, Texas A&M Kingsville, found that 29% of simulated turkey nests were also raided by hogs, the most of any nest predator. So that would that would outpace raccoons, fox, bobcats, <clears throat> coyotes. I wonder if that's just because of the amount of ground hogs cover. I don't probably know. so. Uh, hey, let me just real quick. I will give Boone and Crockett some credit here. They also got rid of the you know, uh, allowing smart scopes. Can't use smart scopes anymore. Okay. So. Like range finding scopes, I guess. And 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 I, I, I know I know I'm doing the same thing. We just said we're not going to do, but I'm going to do it too. You know something I don't really like, and this is like based on nothing at all. Um, just like Ben doesn't like cell cameras, you know, like just for whatever reason, I cannot stand the range finding archery sights. I <laughs> that is. You're one of my bit, like, yeah, like a Garmin a, Arrow, yeah, or is it Garmin Zero? Excuse me, X E R O. Um, I cannot stand this. Have you looked and at how much that cost? Yeah, about eight hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think all the things that we're talking about, you know, and we've we've mentioned it before. You know, when does primitive weapons season stop being primitive weapons you know when does hunting stop being hunting how much technology is a is a good balance yeah um now the cell cam deal like i dude i totally get the value of having a cellular camera especially if you're if your property that you hunt is hours away like matt's is it's the same like mine being hours away like Dude, I put out cameras, and I didn't check them for almost two months because, like, I'm not just driving up there to check cameras. You know, gas is what three twenty-five a gallon. Um, 
it would have been incredibly beneficial to me to have had a cellular camera there. Um, <clears throat> but being a human and being, you know, falling short of, of what I should be as an outdoorsman, it would be awfully tempting for me if I were hunting our property and I'm hunting on the east side and I got a picture of a really, buck on the, a really nice buck on the west side, it would be hard for me not to get up and go over there. And I claim to be a, a you know, a, a pretty ethical hunter. Um, that would still be difficult for me, just having that opportunity or that ability to do it. It would be hard for me not to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back to the hogs, though. They're, if a deer eats it, a hog eats it. That's right. Like, I don't know of a single food that a deer would eat that a hog will not eat. Yeah. And we've talked about them before, man. Their breeding rate is so high. Um, what did we say? You had to kill over 65% or you're losing the battle? About 70%, yeah. 70%. Because they can have uh, a doe, I mean, a doe, a uh, female can give birth twice a year and actually get pregnant a third time before one calendar year is over. And, 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 and her young the, can have a baby that same right. year. Yes. That's the, right. first, I, the first I, litter would be sexually mature by the end of that cycle, that, that year. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And so the states, the state, federal government, somebody's got to do something. I know Texas is dealing with it. Um, what's hampering some efforts in Mississippi or what some solutions are is the, it's not really necessarily a reintroduction. It's just they're starting to thrive again is the black bear. Right. And a black bear is going to eat a lot of the same things a hog eats. So if you go to poison a hog with, say, a type of food that uh, a deer wouldn't eat, say, a meat-type food, well, you're going to get a bear involved. You're going to get other types of predators or what's the word for uh, the ones that just kind of clean up as they go? Buzzards, coyotes. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, scavenger. Sca yeah, something like a scavenger. You know, yeah. They'll get into those things, too. And mm -hmm. so they the poisoning option is not really available in this state. Um, so people trap, people hunt. I mean, I shoot them when I see them, but I'll tell you, hunting hogs is going to have little to no effect on your hogs. Yeah. Because you, you, you're going to get one at a time, maybe two. And well, it was trapping like, is the best option. But it was, yeah, you're talking about hunting them. Like the, the, the night that I went with those guys with the thermals, you know, we rode around for a few hours and we set up on a, on a, big group of pigs and we set up you know ar-15s thermals and we killed like eight of them and there was like 20 of them out there so we didn't even hit that 70 percent mark actually being out there hunting them at night you know whereas trapping them you could hit your 70 percent mark you know yeah I, well in my experience i have not seen the trapping you can hit seventy percent. They some of them get real smart to those traps after a while. Well, I think it's um, it's a lot harder to trap them in ag fields because there's so much food around. Like I mean, if you got piney woods and you got pigs, you probably got a better a better opportunity to trap them than you do in other places. Yeah, and not, me saying that about trapping, I mean, I do think it's the best method that's available. Yeah. Uh, the now I tell you another very effective method because they can literally wipe out a population that's on your land within a day, but it's very expensive. It's helicopters. Oh yeah, they can. Is it, uh, they, is it legal to do it in Mississippi? Uh, do I don't believe it's legal to do it for a business in, in the sense of like you can get on and shoot and you pay me this much. I do think that's illegal in Mississippi. I'll look, but it is legal for a company with like hired professionals to do it okay for a landowner to pay them and i'm going to double check that but i do know a landowner that did that um but you do that in a time where there's no leaves on the trees you know say february you're not in deer season nobody's in the wood you know in let's say the delta you're not in deer season in right. february there shouldn't be a lot of hunters in the woods it's not turkey season it's not duck season you know, a helicopter with some guys on there, and let's say you got a thousand acres, they can wipe out a large percentage of your population in just one day because the hogs can't really get away. It's it would be an expensive way to do it. It's extremely expensive. Like I don't yeah. know who could afford that. I mean, I know a couple people, but it is very effective. Yeah. Well, um, 
Sounds yeah. like we need to buy a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. So once again, buy the hats online. If you want to be a yeah. sponsor of the show, we can make that work. We're trying to buy a helicopter now. Yeah, Joe Bod, if you have any Blackhawks that you'd like to let us borrow, <laughs> let us know. I'm sure we can probably get get some from the Taliban, right? Yeah. There's a few over there. I bet they don't run anymore though. I feel I, you know what? That's a I need to look into that. What? I wonder how Bond much of our equipment doesn't work anymore. Oh, that it gets left. Yeah, because I've had experience with army equipment, and it all works, but you got to work on it a lot. And I don't see those guys being like, "Let's do some maintenance." You're saying the, <laughs> you're saying the Taliban don't have mechanics. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I, I doubt they're doing uh, changing oil and stuff. <laughs> well, uh, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll have Neil on, and we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about his success in the outdoors. Um, as well as, and I want to get both of your opinions on something, and uh, we'll get Neil's opinion on it as well. Uh, the potential decline of the hunting population. So we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we'll chat about all that. William Carey University is one of the top universities in the Southeast. With multiple scholarship opportunities for incoming students, it's one of the most affordable private universities in all of America. Cary provides a multitude of undergraduate and graduate programs, as well as over 10 different doctoral degrees. Did I mention that Cary also boasts one of the top 100 med schools in the country? And I also hear that the baseball team's pretty dang good. Check them out on all forms of social media and visit wmcarry.edu for more information. Hunting season is here, so why are you still loading your four-wheeler in the back of your truck? Head on over to Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales in Columbia, Mississippi. They got a trailer for all of your hauling needs, including trailers for four-wheelers, side-by-sides, and tractors. Gooseneck trailers and dump trailers are also available. And in the event that you kill a deer with your truck rather than your rifle, they can take care of that too. Check them out on Facebook at Bill's Collision Center and Trailer Sales, or give them a call at 601-736-3219. All right, we're back for the second half, um, and I've mentioned before, I've mentioned Neil on the show a couple of times, and uh, really glad to finally have him on. So for the second half of the show, we've got Neil Cannon. Neil lives in Hernando, Mississippi now. He's uh, originally a native of Petal, where Matt and Hunter are. Um, married to Julianne, they've got two kids, and the best thing about Neil doesn't have anything to do with deer hunting. It doesn't have anything to do with selling insurance. It's that he got to be my teammate in 2005 at uh, at William Carey, and uh, so that's the best thing that ever happened to him. You don't know that, but <laughs> that's a true story. <laughs> true story. That's, Neil Cannon is the best William Carey baseball player that has been on this podcast. Oh my! <laughs> wow. To include the host, <laughs> you're the, you're also the second William Carey baseball player to have ever been on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not, you know, you, you know what, Matt? I'm not even going to deny that. Neil Cannon is the best William Carey baseball player we've had on the show. So. <laughs> okay. There's no, there's no way that's true. Oh, well, there's no way I can uh, hold a candle to, to Ben Smith. Oh, you so, don't uh, have to do uh, this. You don't have to do this. <laughs> I promise. So, no, seriously, uh, Neil and I, we played together at Carey in 2005. Um, we had a really good year, won a conference championship. Um, that was a fun group of guys. Um, I was a freshman that year. Neil was a senior. And uh, some of my favorite memories from that year off the field was I essentially, you know, I lived in the dorm as a freshman, but I basically lived on Neil's couch at his apartment for most of that year. Um, I think I had more clothes at his apartment than I did in my dorm room. And um, Neil and I got to share a really cool experience in fall of 2004, we were both big Boston Red Sox fans. And that was the year the Red Sox finally broke through and won the World Series. And we watched every game over there at Neil's apartment. And uh, so that was really cool. So Neil was one of the guys that took me under his wing when I was a freshman and uh, made my college baseball experience as special as it was. So, so Neil, glad to have you, man. Yeah, yeah, man. Glad to, glad to be on here. So... And I, I appreciate that, Ben. Yeah, it was um, 
that was a lot of fun that year. And and obviously the the Red Sox being down three and coming back and winning four in a row. Uh, um, yeah, that was uh, nobody ever forgets that. So we had, and then, had some good times. And then when the season started, I remember on the bus. You know, we used to like now on the bus you got like satellite TV. And these guys just – they basically just watch ESPN the whole trip. And it runs over and over and over. By the time we get to where we're going, we've seen the same thing six times. But back then, you know, you had to, like, bring a DVD or something to watch on the bus. Oh, my God. This sounds like the cell phone camera. <laughs> <laughs> I can see being now and being like, all you players don't need this satellite. It's not fair. I say it all the time. And, and, and I can remember some of the stuff that we watched on the bus – was was Neil either Neil or Kyle Keaton? Kyle was one of my pitchers. Would bring TK and Mike videos. Oh, I love TK. <laughs> and we'd watch TK and Mike on the bus. And then we, uh, after the Red Sox won the World Series, there was that. Uh, oh man, Neil, you had the DVD. I'm, I'm sure it was you. Yeah, that yep. de- that detailed the season or whatever. And uh, we'd watch that. Man, that'd get you fired up and ready to play. So, um, so yeah, it was a really cool time. Wish we could go back and do it all over again. Absolutely. Yep. The good old what days. What position did y'all play? <clears throat> what when, position did y'all play? Neil was a pitcher. Yeah. Yeah. I was okay. a right handed pitcher. And, uh-huh. uh, Ben? I, I played shortstop. Okay. So I, Neil would make good pitches and get ground balls, and I'd make errors, and then he kept going. <laughs> 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 Run the pitch count up. Yeah. All right, so Neil, you live in what Hernando now? Yes. Yep. It's way up there, man. Yep, I am uh, 15 miles south of Memphis, so I'm in DeSoto County, which is the uh, yeah the northwest corner of Mississippi. So, okay, and I know we talk a lot about hunting here, so I know you hunt some in Illinois, but you also hunt in that area in North Mississippi, correct? Yes. Yeah, I'm in a. Okay. You know, at least with some guys over in uh, on like the Quitman County, Coahoma County line. So, yep, yep, okay. Yep. All right, now uh, 2021. Let's see. I guess it was November of 21. Uh, you went up to Illinois, um, killed a really really nice buck up there, and then in December of 21, you were featuring uh, Realtree.com uh, for that deer. Uh, kind of. Tell us about that buck, man. Yeah, yeah, man. It's, um, you know, dream buck. So, um, yeah, that, that deer, we uh, we named him Stickers um, for obvious reasons. Tons of tons of points everywhere. But he, he hit our trail cameras in uh, June uh, that summer leading up to the season. And um, we were losing our minds, of course. And um, – he had, you know, tons of points, tons of character, tons of mass, width, everything. And um, it's just me and two other guys that leased that ground up in Illinois. And so we began the, uh, you know, the, the hunt for stickers. We named him that just so we could kind of know what deer we were talking about. And um, we, um, we all dreamed about, you know, possibly getting a chance to harvest that deer. I never actually thought it would actually happen. Um, but... Um, yeah, we were running out of time uh, before gun season. So if you're not familiar with Illinois, they, they have a shotgun season that opens usually right around the time that rifle season in Mississippi opens, so right around the November 20th type mark. And they have a three-day shotgun that comes in, and I mean everybody in the state of Illinois grabs their shotgun and their orange vest and goes out in the woods. Grandma, um, uncles, sons, kids – it literally it sounds like a dove shoot. Um, we, our, yeah, it, it sounds like a dove hunt. They don't, they don't go day. to school. So, yeah, that's what I was to about school. to say. Our, our, our pitching yeah. coach now at Cary, he's from Southern Illinois, and he said they let school out for deer season for for the shotgun <laughs> season. Yeah, it, it's it's pretty crazy. So, um, I, I I don't buy a gun tag, um, and um, and you know mainly because of the fact that it's only three days. Well, it's three days. And then it closes, and then it opens back up again the next weekend for like four days, and then that's it. Um, now they do have like a late late season type muzzleloader shotgun season, but um, but anyway, so I don't buy a gun tag. But so anyway, we were we were obviously hunting that deer and trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together on what he's doing and where he's going, 
and um, we knew that we were we needed to if we're going to kill him we need to kill him before a gun opens otherwise you know who knows what might happen so um, our neighbors to the east had pictures of him our neighbor to the north had pictures of him um, our neighbor to the west which we're all kind of somewhat communicating which is nice and we've gotten to know them they're all good people and everybody had a picture of this deer at some point so um you know he was he was kind of making the rounds so and um yeah he i killed him on november the 14th so um what he score neil he, not that, i'm not saying that's the end all be all just curious yeah yeah no he scored 180 and like six eights good lord um <laughs> Yeah, the sad thing is, though, he had broke off about a week before I killed him. He broke off a tine. He had like a, um, he had basically two G2s coming off the base that, that came out of the same spot. So he had, uh, and they were both about the same length. So he was missing about, uh, about nine inches of antler on that broke off horn. So, um, and then he broke off a little bit of an end of one back in, which I, he broke that off back in, I think maybe back in Velvet. So, um, yeah, we, we had pictures of him in Velvet and we thought he might hit the 200 mark and we, he wasn't far from it. So. That's crazy. So what was the shot like? I mean, was it, a, I mean, was it just, you had to wait, 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 or did it kind of happen fast? You know, how far was it? Yeah, so he he came into uh, he came into a wheat field and he was um, I was in like a little finger so picture like a finger of timber that's probably only maybe twenty or thirty yards wide you know because there's a little ditch that runs through it and you know big wheat field to my west big wheat field to the east that little finger of timber runs into another block of timber that's just off our property that's really thick like kind of hands and knees thick and he came out of that real thick area which. We had gotten lucky. We had we had some guys that saw him in that field at like nine thirty that morning out there with a doe, and they were pretty sure he went to the north. So we kind of had this strategy that like, well, if he you know if he comes back from the north to the south, he's probably going to you know funnel down this little finger of timber just because that's what they do. And so I actually we didn't we didn't have a stand there, so I had to I had to go in there and do a do a hanging hunt. And um, so I got in that finger of timber. He pops out in the wheat field to the north, and he actually comes out. He's not with a doe. He's just by himself. Now, there were some does in the field, which made me think that I probably wasn't in the game. He's probably fixing to go after those does, and, you know, that'd be it. But he's kind of just feeding and kind of looking around. And I watch him for a few minutes and, and uh, realize what deer it is. And, and I'm just sitting there really thinking, like, this is just amazing just to lay eyes on this caliber of whitetail. And, and really, at that point, I'm, I'm telling you, I was like, just at peace with the fact that I may not kill this deer or even get, you know, get him in bow range, but, you know, just to see that kind of deer, you know, on his feet was incredible. So, um, so watched him for a few minutes and then realized that, well, you know, chances of him maybe just falling down his finger may not actually happen. So, you know, let me get aggressive. And that's when I grunted at him. And so he just kind of picked up his ears and looked my way and, I hit him with another grunt, and luckily, because of where I was at, he couldn't see, you know what I mean, of where I was. So he, you know, he still was anticipating, I guess, that there was a buck in that area. So he, he kind of flicks his tail and, 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 you know, bristles up a little bit. Next thing you know, I, I see him, you know, I see him coming, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, he, he's he's coming, you know. So um, so get get in position, try to be ready, and he kind of he crosses that finger of timber to the, to the east, and starts working down it and I lose him for about maybe five minutes. It felt like eternity. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, when I see him again, he's at 35 yards. So he's, and he's coming down that finger of timber and he's, he's doing what a lot of those big mature deer do. He's fixing to try to make a loop and, and, you know, and win me or win, you know, win what's, you know, the buck or whatever. So, um, luckily for me, he had to go through a shooting lane at 25 yards. Um, you know what I mean, to try to get downwind of me. So um, I stopped him in the shoot lane at full draw. And unfortunately, he was broadside, so going left to right. And I stopped him in the shooting lane, and he, you know, I give him the old merit. And he he basically almost almost turns and faces me, like really hard quartering to me. And um, I took a shot that I don't normally take, but he looked like the size of a school bus. <laughs> 
And, uh, and he was at 25 yards and I knew the range. And so I actually shot him in the base of the neck. Um, and, and with the arrow angle and everything, it literally just buried right into his chest. So, um, I watched it bury all the way to the fletchings in the base of his neck. You know, he, he, he does like a backflip just about and, and takes off running out in the wheat field. And, and then I get to watch him fall. So he doesn't, he doesn't probably run maybe 70 yards or so in that wheat field and, and tips over. So, um, so you, you actually got to see him go down. Yeah. I got to see him go, go down. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, that was, yeah, it's one I'll never forget, man. And, and I probably won't ever, kill anything any bigger and that's fine and uh but it was yeah it was just a it was a dream of a hunt so so so, so what's the feeling like you watch a deer that big you see it go down i'm assuming you were in a climber or a lock on how long did you have to take to get down because i know after i shoot a 120 inch deer i have to wait a while before i get down because i'm shaking so much i can't get down the tree <laughs> right oh shaking uncontrollably um you know, tons of, of fist pumps and um, really just at one point sat down and, and just, you know, thought to myself, wow, like, I can't believe that just happened. You know, I really can't believe that went down. And I immediately called my buddy that was on the other side of the farm. Um, and, and of course, he, you know, we don't ever obviously call each other at, you know, 445 in the afternoon. Mm. And uh, he sees he sees the phone ringing and he said he thought to himself, well, Neil's either shot and killed stickers or he's, you know, seen stickers or shot and missed him or something. It's got to be something important. So he answers the phone and I'm, I would love to have that conversation uh, recorded because um, <laughs> I think I was basically almost yelling into the phone that I, I just killed stickers and, you know, I've just killed the biggest buck of my life, man. And, and he's down. I'm, I'm looking at him. He's on the ground. So, um, yep. So he, he immediately got down. I mean, deer were in his field. You know, he had deer like in bow range, and and you know, but that was the number one deer, obviously. And 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 you know, he said, "Hey, I'm getting down. I'm coming." So he's like, "Well, let's, you know, let's get some pictures of him, you know, before dark." And um, I said, "Yeah, yeah man, I'm, I'm getting down. I got to go get my hands on him." So yeah, I'm I'm looking at one of the pictures now, and I mean, it's it's a deer worth getting down and going and looking at for sure. Um, <laughs> Absolutely, it's amazing and. That's awesome, and then you know you get to do the the story with with uh, real tree. <clears throat> Hang on, guys. Did they deem him non-typical, Neil? Um, <coughs> you know, I I don't know. You know, I just know that like as far as that story goes, I was so I put him on Instagram, and then the the there's a there's a there's a Instagram page called like Midwest Whitetails. And they sent me like a message and were like, Hey, you know, and, and I don't know how they, I guess they just saw, I don't know. Anyway, they were like, you know, we'd like to, you know, feature, feature your buck in a post. And so posted on Midwest whitetails, which has a pretty good bit of followers, I guess. And then next thing you know, I'm getting like a private message from, um, from the, from the writer of the article, um, which I just lost my train of thought on what his name is, but, um, and I, uh, I got it right here. Uh, Josh Honeycutt? Yes, Josh Honeycutt. Yeah. And he, if y'all have ever watched the show Midwest Whitetails, um, he used to hunt on Midwest Whitetails. So I was familiar with Josh Honeycutt. That's a great show, by the way. It's it's kind of semi-live. So they like, they'll literally have a hunt and then post it two or three days later on that website. And you know what I mean? And you can, you can kind of watch them throughout the season. So I've kind of been a follower of that show for a while. But um so yeah, he hits me up on like Messenger and is like, "Hey man, you know, I'd love to write an article about that deer. That's a, that's a great deer." And um, so yeah, that's how it transpired. And um, yeah, phone conversation with him and and some emails back and forth. And um, he he's just a freelance writer, so he you know he kind of told me he's like, "Man, I'll I'll do the article on the deer, and, and I don't really know, you know, where the article will end up. You know, it, it'll have to do with different." you know, different people, I guess, that buy the articles from him. And the next thing you know, he, he sends me a text or something and he's like, Hey man, Realtree wants the article, you know, they're going to put it on, on their, on their own line or whatever. And I was like, wow, like that's, that's crazy. So. Yeah. I'm actually looking at the uh, Realtree article right now. <clears throat> it's a unbelievable buck. Um, speaking of unbelievable bucks, 
you know, you're, uh, well, I'm not going to say your age on there, but, uh, <laughs> you, you, you made it on the Realtree's website and killed a great buck, but you've also got a son that's knocking on the door here, Neil, uh, <laughs> Colton. Now, how old is Colton now? Colton is, uh, Colton's 10. Um, yeah, he'll turn 11 in February. So, so, uh, let's see about a week or so ago. I was uh, scrolling through Instagram, and I come across this uh, massive buck. It's the biggest buck that I'd seen killed this year in Mississippi so far. And I, I look at the name under it, and it's your name, and it's Colton in the picture. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, that's a huge buck. So I'm assuming he killed this on y'all's place in the Delta, correct? Yeah, yeah, he killed it on our, on our lease, which... That's a lease with me, and uh, I think there's nine other guys, so there's ten of us total, and we lease some ground there. Like I said, right around that Quitman County, Coahoma County line, and um, yeah. So, you know, once again, of course, you know, trail cam photos, which in that lease we we all, you know, we have some cell cameras out, and we all have a login to us, so everybody can see, you know, the the cell camera uh, pictures which we actually just run kind of pre-season cell cameras and then we take them all out, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. I kind of like that. We, we pull them out uh, right before the month of November. So, See, now that's something I can get on board with. Right. My argument with cell cameras, now I understand, I've, and I've, we had this conversation earlier, is, is I understand the value of having them, especially if you hunt you know, a decent ways from, from where you live. And then plus it keeps you from having to go in and check cars, get your sin around. But my argument's always been the abuse of them and, and actually using the camera to hunt rather than using the camera for scouting. Yeah. 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 You know, that, <clears throat> and y'all probably know this, that now that you can't, you know, like for instance, I, I did use cell cameras, of course, to, you know, to pattern the buck in Illinois stickers. We, Right, we have you know several cell cameras out on that property, and that that obviously is huge because the the lease is you know a four and a half hour drive. So, it number one, of course, it keeps an eye on the place for any poachers that may show up, but it also obviously right. gives us great information so that when we drive up there, we have a you know a good idea of where we want to go hunt and things like that. So, but um, but now you can't if you kill a deer and use cell cameras. Um, you can't enter it in the Pope and Young or the Boone and Crockett book. Really? Yep. Okay. Yep. So, um, I did, yeah, so, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. It's, um, kind of neat, I guess, <clears throat> but yeah, they, they make it where, you know, which, I mean, for obvious reasons, they are very useful. And, um, but yeah, our place in the Delta, we, we put them out and kind of give them an inventory of deer and then we take them out because, yeah. We just like the we kind of like to go hunt and you know, and just kind of have that not knowing what they're doing really. I mean, we know they're there, and and once they start, you know, getting the rutting process, they could be anywhere. So, right. um, well, like for me, like I use the old SD card cameras, but cameras are can be really good. Like they can get you really excited about what you have on your place, like having a deer like stickers and knowing that deer is there. That's a great thing. But then I have been so discouraged before when I pull my cards and I don't have anything I'd shoot on any of my cameras. And it almost makes hunting like unenjoyable because there's not that mystique of not knowing what could come in, which when the rut begins, obviously it's different. (laughs) Pull deer, you know. Right. But but early season, I have found myself not being as fired up about going hunting because of what's not on my camera you know so i don't know yeah exactly we and you know as far as our cameras in illinois go we we have to keep kind of telling ourselves that like you know don't don't let those cameras you know dictate whether or not you go hunting at all or whether or not you hunt a specific area because you know nothing's really hitting the camera or nothing you know big's hitting the camera so i mean really perfect example we have a lot of cameras on that place We've just kind of, you know, the last three years, kind of all three of us kind of pitching in and buying some. And this year, my buddy kills a 168, um, the November the 
fourth, I think, and we had zero pictures of that deer. Yeah. So we actually had some pictures of him last year in September, and we knew he was a really good deer. We had like two pictures of the deer in September of last year. No other pictures of that deer. And there he is, and he kills him, and he's, you know, 168, and he's a giant. Most beautiful nine-point. I mean, just incredible. And, yeah, no pictures of the deer. So, um, yeah, it's not the end-all, be-all, what's on your camera. Either. Right. But, you know, obviously, it, it, it helps to know, and it can also, it can be a good thing, it can be a discouraging thing. So. Exactly. Um, speaking of scoring deer, so what did this deer that Colton killed, what did he what did he yeah. land on the, on the so street? He, that deer taped out at um, 156 and 6 eighths. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I was thinking in the 150 range. I wasn't sure. So 156 and 6 eighths. That is, uh, that's a deer, that's a deer of a lifetime for most people. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Bigger, bigger than anything I've ever killed in the state of Mississippi. So, yeah. Oh, man. And I, I know. He was fired up about it. And I know, I'm sure, were you with him in the stand when he killed it? Yes, I was with in the stand <coughs> with him, and I actually, I've actually got the whole thing on video. Oh, that's fantastic. That's, <laughs> that's man, that's a memory you guys will never forget, you know. Um, oh, yeah. I, I definitely, definitely think I was uh, more nervous than he was, and, and uh, we both, you know, obviously got super excited because he made a great shot, and the deer dropped in the, in the field so you know once again he you know went down and, and yeah we just got to got to celebrate so um yeah i'll have to i'll have to send you a link to that video um yeah i'd love to watch it uh, and and having your kids in the woods that kind of takes me where i want to go next and we don't have a whole lot of time to talk about it but i do want to touch on it while we got you on there is uh and it's been going this way for 30 years there's a decline in hunting in, in the United States, at least in licenses sold. So I'm just going to go ahead and say there's a decline in hunters. Um, I've got some uh, some numbers here. Uh, 19, let's take 1960. There were 14 million hunters in the United States, which was 7.7% of the population. In 2020, only 4.6% of the United States population are hunting. And I, I kind of want to get you guys' opinion of uh, of why. What's the reason for the decline? Oh, I, I couldn't tell you the reason. Um, I mean, I, I don't guess I've put that much thought into that. Um, I just, uh, I'm not really upset by it, though. <laughs> well... <sighs> The thing I worry about is is when you start having declines like that is, all right, that was from 1960 to 2020, so you're talking about 60 years. What are those numbers going to look like 60, 60 more years from now? You know, how much oh, further yeah. are they going to drop? And obviously, we all love the sport. Um, we love the ability to, to go out in the woods, kill deer, kill ducks, turkeys, whatever. We also love the ability. I don't know. Well, I can't speak for you guys, but I know for me, there's a sense of satisfaction when I can go into the woods and kill something and then bring it home and my family gets to eat it. I feel I feel more comfortable about what I'm eating, knowing that the United States government didn't have anything to do with it. And like I said, it's just that satisfaction of knowing that I'm the one that put this on the table. Now, I guess you can make an argument that people go, well, if I work a eight to five job and I go to the grocery store and I buy meat, I'm still putting that meat on the table. But to me, it's, it's different. Um, what do you guys think? Yeah. You know, as far as the declining numbers, I think, you know, in my opinion, I think the biggest thing is, of course, is like all this new technology that these kids have access to, you know what I mean? As far as, Yep. iPads and electronics and Xboxes and you know they're they're you know literally you know Colton can put his headset on and play Xbox with two buddies across the neighborhood you know what I mean and and just all this other technology um, and then of course um, I think the other of course biggest thing is is dads have to get them get them out there you know and you got to yeah. get them 
you got to get them out there at a young age. I mean, I actually took Colton hunting the first time when he was like four, mm-hmm. which probably sounds kind of crazy, but I, I, you know, he didn't have a gun, but I took him out there and we made it fun. You know, we took, we took his, at the time, I think he had like a leap pad or something, but we took, you know, candy and I took his leap pad and, and let him, you know, we watched deer. I didn't shoot anything because, <clears> you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want a high-powered rifle going off right beside a four-year-old, right, you know, right away. But, um, you know, he, he gravitated to it at an early age and just like, this is what we do, you know. And, and then he actually killed his first deer. He was five. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put, put earmuffs on him, you know, have a, <clears throat> a gun with reduced recoil ammo, you know, have him in a Caldwell dead shot, which holds the front end, the back of the gun. Those things are phenomenal when it comes to kids hunting, by the way. So, yeah. Um, wish I'd have had that when I was a kid. It probably would have saved me some heartache, but, um, (laughs) but, you know, and then on top of that, he, you know, he kills his first deer and we, we, you know, we go get it processed and we eat it. And I, you know, I call him in there. I'm like, Hey, this is your deer, you know, that we're enjoying tonight for dinner. And, you know, that's just all the more reason that he was excited about it. So, um, but yeah, just getting, getting them off the couch, getting the kids off the couch, getting them outside, getting them you know, and, and, you know, making it fun and, and that sort of thing. You can't, I guess what I'm saying is you can't, if you try to wait for your kid to be like 10 or 11 years old when he's not annoying, you know what I mean? Like you take, right. you take them to the woods when they're five, you may not hunt very long. You know what I mean? So you got to know what you're kind of getting into. But if you wait around till they're like nine, 10, 11 years old, you know, when they can kind of sit still to take them hunting, you've probably waited too late. They're probably yeah. not into it. So that's, that's right. Well, I think that you said it best a few minutes ago is this generation of kids growing up have the constant need to be stimulated. Mm-hmm. Um, you talk about video games, iPads, phones, things like that. Whereas I think when we grew up and our parents grew up, you didn't have those things. And it's okay to be still it's okay to not have to be constantly entertained by stuff. And I think that's the difference in generations. Now I will say this about the average uh, number of hunters. You know, I think I said it's 4.6% of Americans are, uh, are have uh, purchase hunting licenses. Mississippi's above that mark at 9.1. So I'm encouraged to see that Mississippi's still got relatively good numbers there. Um, the highest state is South Dakota. Twenty-four point two percent of South Dakota uh, uh, people that live in South Dakota are, are hunters. Well, there's nothing else to do, <clears throat> right? Uh, the lowest on the list is California at zero point seven. Wow. There's actually Which, some really good hunting in the state of California too. That's that's, that's what I was not about in to LA. Say. Yeah, <laughs> just not where the people are. Yeah, unless exactly. You wanna, they, unless you want to hunt the homeless. Yeah. <laughs> they've got a they've got a really good turkey population in parts of california yeah that just don't even get hunted so yeah. Yeah. O- oregon oregon's the same way oregon is an absolute sleeper state for turkeys loaded with turkeys so let's see if i can find the numbers on oregon they were low as well uh i thought they were maybe you're wrong uh, oregon was 7.8 percent yeah uh, and then where you hunt in Illinois, uh, it's going to be low as well because uh, the large populations in the city there is 2.3% of people in Illinois are hunters. So anyway, mm. well, uh, man, we're pretty much out of time for tonight. Neil, really thank you for coming on and doing this. Um, like I, I said, when you first came on, uh, you were certainly a great teammate to me when I was playing and uh, appreciated you and the, and the rest of that senior class that year um, and appreciate what you do in the outdoors. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And um, yeah, man, I listen to your podcast and it's pretty cool to be on one. So, and um, yeah, man, it's, uh, those were some, some definitely a great year. One of my favorite years of, of college baseball was that, that team and, you know, I transferred in from Nickel State, and uh, 
you know, part of me wondered if I would regret that, you know, leaving, leaving Nichols to come. And, and, uh, man, that was one of the best decisions I ever made. Met some, some great friends, some lifelong friends and, and, uh, yeah, won a conference championship, went to a regional. That was, uh, that was a blast. Yep. So absolutely. Well, we're, uh, we're out of time, but, uh, make sure you check out the podcast. They come out every Thursday morning now. Uh, on Apple and Spotify and uh, check the website out. So, Hunter, you got anything else? Nope, that's it. Neil, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, Sure thing. Look forward to talking to you again real soon, okay? Sounds good. While you're scrolling through social media, go check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, visit our website, pinstripes2camo.com, to read weekly blogs and purchase Pinstripes to Camo merchandise.